Well, even after nine years of producing this program, we still love to hear from our listeners around the world. You're welcome to write to us, info at travelwritersradio.com. And that's exactly what happened uh, recently. We got uh, an email from the Costa Brava, that province of Valencia, which runs through to the east coast of Spain. Karen Arvila wrote to us to tell us of a punctuation error on our website. Now, I wrote back to thank Karen for her kindness in writing to us about it, but I discovered she was a healthcare professional, she was not a grumpy old grammar teacher, and that she was very good at travel writing. She shared her travel writing page with us. So here she is tonight. She's known as a third culture kid, which she explains to me in this interview recorded earlier. And it actually turns out that we have a bit of a fit for each other, our, our radio show, and Karen Arvila. Karen, she's got an interesting story, and you know? it's not one that I've actually heard before in Australia, but she is a third culture kid, a TCK, as they're called. Now, I haven't heard of this. Karen, welcome to Travel Writers Radio, and thanks for your mail. Thank you so much, Graham. Karen, just tell us right now, where are you right now in the world? So right now, I'm in Spain. Um, I'm originally from the United States, but I'm currently living in Spain. Okay. Now, you told me you were of Salvadorian parents who went to the U.S. when they were teenagers, I think you said, and your father was a GP on the West Coast, but at about your age, your teenage years, were spent in Saudi Arabia and then in Austria for some final uh, high school education. So is this the third culture kid? You're in school in America, then you get taken to Saudi, then, you, then you're sent uh, for the senior year to, you must have needed a diary to keep up with who you are and where you were. <laughs> Yes. Um, so I'm glad you're, I'm glad we're talking about this. This is a lot of fun for me to, to go through, especially as an adult third culture kid now. Um, and so you're correct. My father's from El Salvador. My mother was actually born in the United States, but her family's from Mexico. So this, I had this Latin American culture and my father emigrated with his mother when he was young, as you've mentioned, to the United States. And then I, essentially uprooted when I was a teenager, when I was 14, to Saudi Arabia because my parents had made the decision for professional reasons to move overseas. While I was in Saudi Arabia, there were no schools at the time for expats over the ninth grade. And so I had to go to boarding school at that time. And blue jeans to the Well, so the short answer is no. We did have to dress conservatively. And, and it's an interesting point you're touching on, which is how different that culture is. Like coming from growing up in California, going to Saudi Arabia, one of the most conservative Islamic countries in uh, the Arab world. When you're young, you're just absorbing your environment and the information around you. And you're really sort of an unwritten book at that point, if I could put it that way, because you're still developing. And so for me, yes, it's you're absorbing all the information and, and really being an active observer and engaging where you can. Uh, to kind of learn more about yourself and the environment that you're in and, you know, developing into an adult as, as a result of that with those influences. So my father, he, his, actually, his mother tongue was Spanish, but he learned English, of course, when he came to the States. My mother grew up in a bilingual household. You know, my parents met speaking English, and so we, we didn't speak it as a second language at home, but we were exposed to it through family who spoke Spanish quite a bit. When you went to Saudi, I, I guess you were in school. You would have had to 
be uh, operating with some Arabic as well as English. No, actually, interestingly enough. So, um, and this is like this is where the the conversation we could go into so many different you know branch off into so many you know great directions with this topic. But um, to keep it sort of simple and focused on on my story, where I grew up in Saudi Arabia, um, everything was taught in English, or the schools were taught in English. So it really was sort of like a small little slice of America. I felt like a military base, basically. And I think English being, you know, such a global language, and because there, you know, certainly were a lot of foreigners in, this, in Saudi, you'd see road signs also in English. But, you know, it's interesting that you say this, because a lot of signage in the shops and such were, were mostly in Arabic, but you just kind of figure out how to go. I mean, this is the interesting thing about being in a different culture. And, you know, trips I've taken, even as an adult, going to countries where the alphabet is different. When it's a similar alphabet, you can kind of figure out what some of the signage is. But if it's not, if it's completely different, you have to find other ways to navigate, usually visual cues and things like that. This term was actually developed in the 1950s um, by two researchers, John and Ruth Usim. Um, Ruth was actually an uh, anthropologist and sociologist, so it kind of makes sense that they had developed this term. She was also the parent of third culture kids because she had moved to India. So this term was developed to describe really what was reflected in her situation, which is the experience of children of American citizens working overseas. Although now this term applies much more globally, not just to Americans, um, but that's where it was first developed. Okay. And was it developed because there was any negative connotation, like were there mental health issues, or you know, why was it sort of developed? I assume it wasn't just a pure research project. Correct. I think there were um, different reasons, and from from what I've read of these two researchers in particular, it was really observations from from their kids because there's this adaptability learning curve that you have if you're either born into a culture that's other than your home country or nationality or that of your parents, you know, there's automatically sort of a developmental learning curve. And I think there's positive, there's definitely, um, and I've seen this myself with, with fellow third culture kids that I've spoken to or adult third culture kids is, you know, there's, there's some really wonderful attributes and positive things that come with it, but there are also some challenges that come with it. And I think that just having that awareness so that you can help people as they're on their developmental path as they're young, but also as an adult to kind of help figure out, well, what are the, why did I make these decisions as an adult and how did my past influence it? It's not the negative sort of, oh, you're ADHD, we're giving you a label now so you can explain everything. It's, it's an observation of, of life being lived, uh, but in different cultures. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's more from what I've seen from my own personal observation. So third culture kids, this was not a term I knew about until I was in my early 40s. So I'm aging myself here, but it, I didn't learn it till late in life. And now I'm discovering through social media, which is really, really cool thing, uh, all these other communities of third culture kids who have the same experiences. So it's really a sort of self discovery, as opposed to a label that is kind of uh, put on this group. It's, it's very interesting, but there are some challenges in the group. There are some things that people have, have uh, struggled with and are still struggling with. Well, I guess that's understandable if you are as a child, if you are moved frequently. I, I can well understand that. You were telling me also that, the, that there's some great positives in the sense that I guess children exposed to these other cultures pick up on it. They obviously uh, they are more nuanced in things if they spend time embedded in the, in the culture. Do you find that? Uh, absolutely. I think certainly when I grew up, you know, I, I picked up a little bit of Arabic, just a few words, though, because it was a much more isolated community in terms of where we were living as expats. But definitely, I studied German living in Austria. I, I think what's what's really interesting here, though, is so there's definitely that language ability, but also the just the adaptability, the resilience, these other 
qualities that are required of a child to develop in order to be able to function and navigate within this new culture, new environment. And I'm actually, so there's a lot of positive attributes. Empathy is another word that comes up quite a bit in speaking to my fellow TCKers. And I think these are things that as an adult, it's actually something I'm starting to look at having been in the management field for several years now, is looking at that within my own teams. That's what I would like to do, you know, again, at some point is really how does this apply to the workplace as adults? Because there are some untapped skills that are there unrecognized potentially that third culture kids can bring to the, the table as a as adults. You've effectively done it to yourself now by moving out of the US. You've been working there for 20 odd years in uh, in clinical research with some of the biggest names in the hospital field in the world, names that I certainly recognise from way down here. And you, t- you took a little break after. Was the pandemic anything to do with that? Thought, I've always fantasized about moving back overseas, but I never really put any serious thought into it. The pandemic allowed me to do that because we went completely remote which a lot of companies did at the time. So I was able to come out here because I have family here. I was able to come here, check to make sure my family's okay and work here. And it was very successful for the time that I was working. Um, so yeah, direct result of the pandemic. Well, that's great. And your family name, uh, Avila, that, that is a Spanish name from a few hundred years back, you were telling me, in your family line. Yeah. they. So from what I understand on the, so the Avila is, you know, from my, my father's side of the family. And from what I understand, the Salvadoran side of the family goes back, you know, a couple hundred years ago, they came over from Spain, which is, you know, relatively typical for, for a lot of the Latin countries. Uh, but yeah, it's a, you know, as you know, a remarkable uh, medieval city here in Spain. Uh, very special place. I, well, I pronounced it Avila, because, you know, I, I don't know, wild, but we walked around the walled city. It's a magnificent city in, uh, in Spain. It's a great example of a uh, medieval city. We, we had a lot of fun wandering around there. It's got lots of history, even within the city itself. You know, when you walk through the gates of this walled yeah. city, you think, this is magic. Um, yeah. And oh, it's wonderful. But it is. No, there's some wonderful things. The other funny thing I did share with you is we went to go into a large cathedral there, and as we approached the doorway, there was a fellow standing outside the door with his hat turned over, as if that's where you put your money to go in. We thought, oh, fair enough. So we threw a couple of euros in there. We, we asked him how much, and he just sort of shrugged. And so we threw in 10 times what we needed to. And then we got inside, and the official money collector was inside behind the door. So we had to take twice. And I thought, oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Exactly, I was going to say. So, one of the other notable things, I know you like to talk about food on uh, your radio show, is chuleton, is a steak. I don't know if you had that when you were in Avila, but the chuleton is a steak that's special to that area because it comes from a cow that's native to that area around Avila. And it's just a delicious, yeah, the chuleton, if you, when and if you come back to Spain, you need to have one of those. Yeah, it's a great steak. Fantastic. And the interesting thing with, with you, though, uh, Karen, is that you, you've actually been, oh, well, you, you know, you've got a couple of degrees and you've developed definite skill sets along the way in the healthcare sector and you're a leader in your field, but you've sort of turned your hand to another skill. I know you're a good triathlete. I've seen a photo of you with the bike, so you can obviously go faster than me. But you've also turned your hand to to writing. So you're doing some travel writing, and and you're a good 
photographer, let me tell you, shared your, your your site with me, and there's some terrific stories there. I hope I can persuade you to tell us some along the way because you've been to some interesting places and written some interesting stories. I would absolutely love it, and thank you so much for uh, that compliment, uh, especially with the photography as well. It's something I love a lot. And, um, yes, I, I'm just thrilled about travel and uh Writing has been a very cathartic experience. As a third culture kid, I started writing actually just to kind of document all these memories of growing up overseas. It was really just for myself and still is to a large degree, but it sort of evolved into something bigger, which is something that I hope to bring back to the third culture kid community through other writings outside of uh, some of the travel writings. But yeah, it's, it's just been uh, a wonderful journey and uh, I'm very excited about doing that uh, and continuing that. We look forward to that and uh, you've You've shared with me a few of your upcoming travel plans. We won't, we won't uh, run the trailer just yet. Let's. Uh, it's been lovely speaking with you, Karen. Thanks for writing me the email. Thanks for responding well when I uh, when I came back to you about it. I guess it's just one of those uh, serendipitous moments in life that come along every now and again, and you grab the opportunity. So good on you. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. That was our brand new team member, Karen Avila, speaking to me from the Costa Brava, Spain. And uh, we look forward to hearing some of Karen's travel experiences in the next few weeks. This is the Travel Writer Show on J Air 88 FM in Melbourne.